2: Our topic today is Patients Sue Ontario Hospitals for Invasion of Privacy. Our introduction begins in 2004 when the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's TV program, Marketplace, broadcast the story Mining, as in coal mining, mining your business, targeting new parents. It was about abuse of privacy of mothers of newborns by a company selling registered education savings plans. Ten years later, on August 27, 2014, the Toronto Star newspaper reported that at an Ontario hospital, breaches of personal health information had affected 14,500, near enough, patients including mothers of newborns. Two days later, on August 29, 2014, the Toronto Star added that, as far back as 2009, six prominent Ontario hospitals inappropriately gave up personal health information of tens of thousands of new mothers. Then, on February to 2015, the Ontario Court of Appeal granted patients the right to sue hospitals over privacy breaches. Now, when we think about mothers who, with their newborns, are being provided with care in hospitals, we understand that the mothers are, all at the same time, patients and family caregivers for their newborns and therefore protectors of their newborns' health information. All of which is why our topic, Patients Sue Ontario Hospitals for Invasion of Privacy, is so important for patients, their family members, and their family caregivers. To discuss it, our guest is Michael Crystal. Michael is a partner at the law firm of Spiteri and Ursulac LLP, where he currently leads the class action group. He's currently class counsel in five Personal Health Information Class Actions. In his previous work, primarily in criminal law, he appeared at all levels of trial and appellate courts in Ontario, including three appearances as lead counsel before the Supreme Court of Canada. In his privacy practice, he provides strategic advice on privacy, data breaches, and legislative drafting to governments and industry. He's been retained by industry and the Senate to testify before the Canadian Senate Committees on Human Rights and is currently scheduled to testify before the National Security Committee. He appeared as co-counsel before the Ontario Court of Appeal in a case, Hopkins v. K., which is a precedented, precedent-setting case relating to the interplay between Provincial Personal Health Information Legislation and the Common Law. So welcome to the show, Michael. Glad to be here. Great. First question for you. Please highlight for us what breaches of personal health information actually are and why these are important enough to justify lawsuits. Michael?
3: Uh, Well, when we talk about uh, breaches of privacy um, in terms of personal health information, um, we are primarily uh, these days uh, talking about intrusion upon seclusion, which is a tort um, that has a long pedigree, really. It uh, is an invasion of privacy um, uh, cause of action, which uh, initially moved through the uh, British jurisprudence, but also uh, the intrusion upon seclusion, the actual term for that, is taken from uh, United States uh, jurisprudence and um, it really came to the fore in Ontario in 2012 in a case called Jones and Teague. Basically, it is a <clears throat> it is not a harm-based tort. So that means that what you really have to show is that there has been a malicious or reckless invasion of privacy. That the conduct itself would be offensive to the reasonable person and uh, that there was a uh, a known, let's say, victim of the uh, privacy breach.
2: Right. Now, please highlight for us the workings, that's my word, of class action lawsuits as these relate to patients who are suing Ontario hospitals for what I've got is invasion of privacy, but you've defined it rather better. Michael, <coughs> workings of class action lawsuits, please. Okay. Well,
3: the best way to think of a class action lawsuit, and it's the same whether you're in the United States or in Canada. Of course, the, the tests are differ, but um, if you <coughs> ever seen a, a flock of geese uh, fly in the air or... Even cyclists uh, in a club they travel in what 's known as a peloton and at the apex of a peloton <clears throat> you have the the leaders and uh, basically they sort of cut down on the the winds that affect those in the back and uh, and uh, they sort of um, at least in terms of flocks of birds they they use the fact that uh, the apex has broken the uh, the winds uh, to sort of uh, makes it easier for them to to fly in a class action you um, are looking at uh, representative plaintiffs. these are individuals who um, whose whose particular cases really are representative of all the people in the class so these are people who are very similar situa- in similar situations to those who are also affected by the wrong. Ultimately, the goal is to bring an application for certification, and that is to say that those individuals uh, can be certified on the basis that their case, should they be successful, will then justify an award in all the cases that are behind it. And if certification is granted for the class, It will just be the trial of those two individuals or three individuals or maybe one individual that will then have a dispositive um, role for the cases of those others. Now, when you sue a hospital, um, basically you uh, are looking to have a similar situation. You have a couple of patients who may have had their files improperly accessed or what have you and should those cases seem to fit the test for um, certification um, the case can proceed on the basis of those actions and uh, all the patients who've had their files breached would then subsequently be successful.
2: Now just to turn this discussion around a little bit I want to ask you, please, Michael, to tell us about your role, your tasks, and your challenges in class action lawsuits as these relate to patients who are suing Ontario hospitals, and I'm still going to call it invasion of the privacy. So, in other words, talk about what you do in these class action suits, these five suits that you've got. Michael? Yeah. Well,
3: um, I have to say um, that I got involved in these type of class actions by way of my investigator who I'd worked with for about eight years. And, uh, uh, basically his cousin had been served a letter, um, from the hospital, basically saying that her files had been improperly accessed. And, uh, we went to, um, uh, a town in Ontario known as uh, Peterborough, uh, where uh, we met with several uh, individuals who were had the similar letter. And uh, before we knew it, we found out that 280 people had received these letters. And um, uh, we initiated a claim on their behalf, uh, because um, several of the people who snooped, hospital employees who snooped their records, clearly had no uh, business doing so. They weren't in the quote-unquote circle of care, that is people who took care of those files. And um, in fact, they, um, they were just, be it for curiosity or maybe for some sort of other advantage, uh, seeking to um, access those files. Since that time, I have spent many hours with not only members of that group, but um, other groups as well. And uh, quite often, um, this has you know, as as time has gone by, this has become my, uh, uh, almost a mission on my part to protect and preserve patient uh, personal health information. It truly has morphed into a cause. The reason I say that is because the agony, just the sheer agony, especially patients at hospitals, and especially those patients who have to return to hospitals, let's say pe- people who are on dialysis or require ongoing attention, just the sheer agony that they have endured um, by having some unknown person for reasons unknown to them access their file, just observing the agony and the just the intrusion into their personal lives, um, has has made me feel more strongly than ever that those rights require a champion, and there has to be someone who is prepared to stand up to hospitals who are very powerful, often have a lot of money, and to say no you 've got to do a better job no you 've got to have better software no, you cannot you cannot allow for data breaches. These are people who come to hospitals not because they want to be there, but because they have to be there. And to add insult to injury by having their most personal information laid open for some stranger who may have a malevolent uh, purpose. And and we've seen um, uh, all kinds of reasons why people do it. Economic gain, selling the information, sometimes for a particular person uh, political uh, position, um, uh, trying to just curiosity about a famous person. We've seen these things happen time and time again. And hospitals have to be accountable. And, right, they, need, right. and they need people to hold them accountable. And that's what, that's basically what I end up doing. That is my role, is to stand up for those people who can't stand up for themselves and insist that hospitals do a better job.
2: Uh, a great role if i may say so now it's time for a short break this is where i always say we have to pay the rent so we'll do that now this is dr gordon atley and my guest is michael crystal you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety channel cjmp 90.1 fm community radio and SharingTheBurden.ca. please stay with us we're coming back
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to help make our world a better place but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. with Chris Stinney is now on Voice America Variety every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific 8 p.m. Eastern Chris brings you the thought leaders activists and socially responsible entrepreneurs taking action for the environment doing business in a new way and helping the underprivileged Call in or listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and learn how the small decisions you make today have a big impact on our small planet in the future. Tune in to Up Close with Chris Tinney on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspiring really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to G. At Now back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite, and Michael Crystal. Our topic is patients sue Ontario hospitals for invasion of privacy. Uh, Michael, now let's talk about the class action lawsuits relating to patient privacy in which you are active at the stage these lawsuits have reached early in June 2015. So, Michael, please highlight for, for us, first of all, um, the ways in which patients can become involved in class action lawsuits relating to breaches uh, of their privacy and the kind of things that they need to consider. Michael?
3: Uh, well, first of all, um, there's two groups. as I said, there's representative plaintiffs and then there's class members. Um, in the case of class members, um, becoming involved in in our system um, uh, in Ontario is it's an opt out system. so basically you are considered to be part of the class unless you actually choose. To opt out. So typically, what we have is we have patients who have received letters and they quite clearly become part of the class. Um, should they wish to opt out, they have to provide uh, that position in writing and uh, they are free then to pursue a class action uh, or, I'm sorry, a private action uh, against uh, who, whomever they wish. Um, In terms of representative uh, plaintiffs, their role is a bit different. Um, They have to really uh, submit their case to the trial process. And uh, that may mean um, actually, um, and it's sort of counterintuitive, but that may mean uh, really dispensing with any right to privacy, because really the facts of their case are going to be laid bare, and uh, what will happen is um, they will be, in many ways, uh, discussing the very uh, issues that they would have preferred to have had um, kept private. Um, The way that people can best um, assist a lawyer who is conducting this type of action is to approach the hospital and the privacy officer, and typically the letter is signed by the privacy officer, A demand to know the specifics about the uh, improper access, uh, to request, to see, uh, usually it's electronically, the, the files that were accessed. Um, the software usually um, employed is, um, that I've come across is called Meditech, uh, MEDI TECH, and um, it does contain uh, information such as the time of the disclosure, the, fu- the actual files that were disclosed, and the length of time that the file was viewed for. So um, we encourage our class members and representative plaintiffs to be as proactive as they can with regards to the hospital. And therefore, um, we uh, are able to uh, recirculate that information in our legal pleadings.
2: Right, right. Now, Michael, I'd like you to tell us about the Rouge Valley Privacy Class Action and its background. That's a specific one. Um, Mm -hmm. It's received a lot of press attention. Please tell us about it. Michael?
3: Well, uh, the Rouge Valley case... (laughs) It's sort of uh, funny how I uh, initially came across that case because I was on my way, literally, on my way to the Senate to testify on a piece of legislation that dealt with uh, digital privacy. And uh, there was a story in the newspaper about um, Rouge Valley and, um, at some point, um, we were contacted, uh, later that day by, um, a couple of individuals. I guess they'd known about the Peterborough Hospital and, um, we, um, uh, made some connections. We started getting involved in that case, but it was, uh, quite sort of, uh, coincidental because, uh, uh, on the very day I was to testify before the Senate Committee on this digital privacy issue, I was able to refer to the most recent uh, happenings that day before at at, at the hospital, where apparently, um, you know, at that time it was just the Scarborough campus of the Rouge Valley Hospital um, that, uh, approximately, I think it was at that time, possibly eleven thousand new mothers uh, had had um, information about their newborns uh, s- possibly sold or given away to RESP companies who were then contacting um, the, um, the mothers once they returned home to sell them registered education savings plans. So uh, that's how I initially got involved. And after that, um, I um, – uh, became aware of uh, another hospital campus, uh, another campus belonging to the same hospital in Ajax Pickering, that um, was having uh, the uh, the breaches, and um, we um, we uh, basically followed uh, along, uh, and uh, we have been involved ever since.
2: Right now, you mentioned the Peterborough. Brer- regional health center class action. Please tell us about that and its background and the way these two that you've been speaking of link with the other three that you're involved with, the sure. other three class actions. Michael? Yeah. So, so quite frankly,
3: um, Peterborough was the first that we got involved in, and um, there are at the very least 280 people who've had their files uh, breached uh, as I said I got involved through my investigator I have spent a lot of time over the years um, with that group um, and uh, those class uh, members um, what is unique about Peterborough in in unique from the other cases in that it, it is the first case and um, the hospital has taken the position that the current legislation um, requires a complaint about invasion of privacy to uh, go through the Ontario Information and Privacy Commissioner. So it is it takes the form of an administrative complaint, and the hospital further takes the position that you cannot access the courts directly for this type of breach. Um, the term comprehensive code is used by the hospital to state that there is an administrative regime similar to labor legislation through a labor, uh, labor relations board or um, maybe a human rights tribunal and human rights legislation. That is to say that a separate court has been established to deal with this type of thing, and therefore you cannot access uh, the courts uh, directly. That has been their argument. What I think is fascinating is that we have won so far at every uh, at every hearing. We won at the trial a level on this argument, and we've just won at the Court of Appeal in February of 2015, um, and now the case is snaking its way to the Supreme Court of Canada. There is a paper application process for leave that you have to go through, and um the materials were just uh, completed in that uh, process. So we, we we are now waiting. We have about three months to wait for the Supreme Court of Canada to tell us whether they will hear this case. If they don't, that means the Court of Appeal decision in our favor, that means that the case can proceed directly to trial um, uh, or a hearing on whether we can be certified will take place. If we are unsuccessful, that means that we'll have to make our case to the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, and as a result, um, a number of the other cases that we've become involved with are sort of hanging back on the tarmac, uh, waiting for the decision in that case. So um, you mentioned that I'm involved in in 5 and that is true, although um, the um, there is uh, an issue as to... Um, Uh, the status of the others because they're simply awaiting a decision as to whether or not the Supreme Court will hear Peterborough.
2: Right. Now, I want to ask you about um, the Information and Privacy Commission of Ontario. Um, That's called the uh, Privacy Commission, the the Privacy Commission, Mm -hmm. and is As I understand it, a piece of Ontario legislation is created by that legislation and that its job, among other things, is to receive complaints, act upon them and investigate them and things of that nature. Please comment briefly on the role of the Privacy Commission in any relation with the kind of things you've just been talking about.
3: Right. Well, what I can tell you about the Privacy Commissioner is um, his... Um, The Privacy Commissioner in this matter, a fellow by the name of Brian Beamish, is a terrific um, public servant in that he has clearly uh, waded into this issue um, and taken some very firm positions. They are as follows. Position one the Attorney General must act to prosecute under the existing provincial legislation breaches of this kind. There is legislation which allows for it, and he has gone on record um, without question to say that it is the Attorney General who must uh, act in this regard. Secondly, He has said that while the Information and Privacy Commissioner's office can and will set standards and provide education and support for the maintenance of standards to hospitals, there is no question in his mind that these types of class actions ought to have direct access to the court's. For this reason, that the jurisdiction as set out in the legislation is not exclusive and that it is meant to be a shared jurisdiction. Further and finally, the limited resources available to the information and privacy commissioner are best spent on the setting of standards, and the education and maintenance of those standards.
2: Right. Now, I'm going to interrupt you there because of the tyranny of time, but we're going to be able to explore this in a little more detail in the next segment. So we'll go to the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Athley, and my guest is Michael Crystal. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry
3: App World, or Android Market.
4: On the morning of August 5th, 1962, the world awoke to the shocking news that Marilyn Monroe, one of the biggest icons in Hollywood history, had been found dead. What really happened that night? Join Nina Bosky as she seeks to uncover both the life and tragic death of Marilyn Monroe and what keeps her so popular over 50 years later. Good Night, Marilyn Radio, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of Family Matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Lots of people talk about publishing their work, but have no idea where to start. If you are one of these aspiring authors or know somebody who is, don't miss Publishing Today Radio with Athena Dean Holtz. Thought leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and in general, storytellers all want to get their messages in print, and that includes branding and marketing. Athena and her guests are here to answer your publishing questions and more. Tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to G at org. Now, back to... To family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Michael Crystal. Our topic is patients sue Ontario hospitals for invasion of privacy. Now, let's talk about the potential implications for patients, for families and family caregivers, and for hospitals of the class action lawsuits in which you are active and, of course, which relate to patient privacy. So first question, what are the potential implications for patients of the class action lawsuits? Michael? Well, as
3: I said um, uh, at the beginning when I was talking about the nature of this type of cause of action, it is not a harm-based tort. What that means is that um, you don't have to prove um, any type of psychological or psychiatric harm as a result of the intrusion upon seclusion or the invasion of privacy, nor do you have to show any economic harm. Uh, the the uh, other side of that coin is that um, the damages are nominal. So... Right now, the Court of Appeal in uh, the leading case has capped damages on a per-individual basis at approximately $20,000 per person. And so if you say in the short term, uh, what are uh, patients uh, looking at in terms of uh, this type of litigation, um, they can expect a, an, uh, an award of approximately $20,000. Um, now, it may be more in some cases um, in that um, in, in cases, I think, where personal health information has been sold, the, the courts may feel that Uh, it should exceed the current cap, uh, but that remains an unknown. Um, Certainly, as well, uh, the award per person could increase uh, given the number of um, plaintiffs, or sorry, the number of defendants. So in a case where um, the hospital has uh, been in breach, found to be in breach, and there is an agent who then sold the information, and another, and, the, and, and a purchaser of that information, uh, they may uh, each be liable on a per person basis of approximately twenty thousand dollars. So the amount would then rise to sixty thousand per individual. Now, uh, in the long term, I think the benefits to all uh, people uh, residing in Ontario will be a much more secure um, uh, uh, environment for their personal health information. And uh, one thing, uh, Gordon, that you might want to think about is that um, a, a unique characteristic of class actions are that uh, unlike typical litigation, where you could only award monetary awards, in class actions, the court can deal with the systemic problem. Uh, So, for example, the court can order um, hospitals to maintain a much more rigorous software with uh, all kinds of um, uh, alerts and so forth. Uh, that uh, best addresses um, the uh, the patients and protects patients' uh, personal health information, so the court the court can make an order that the standards are increased to uh, a higher level, and uh, that wouldn 't be something that you could have in a typical uh, piece of litigation
2: very interesting now again i 'm talking about asking you please, about potential implications, but this time for Families and family caregivers of patients uh, who are involved in the class action lawsuits, what are the implications for them? Michael? Well, I think
3: um, it is it is um, tremendously uh, difficult for, just in the short, short term, uh, for uh, caregivers to... Um, maintain, I guess, um, a positive outlook on uh, hospital visits and, 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 and care and so forth. It requires a tremendous amount of, of energy, and uh, people who do this are very special people. But when you also not only have to look at the dangers and, 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 and consequences in front of you, but also at the same time have to look over your shoulder to ensure that your loved one's uh, personal health information is not being, you know, accessed. It it can become quite overwhelming. But what I would say is that these cases raise a level of awareness, and for personal caregivers, I think that it will make us all far more vigilant in the questions we ask, in the interactions we have with health professionals be it at a clinic, at a hospital, and, you know, we must, we must take on this role because the information that is maintained by hospitals is very, very sensitive information. And truly, uh, when one, uh, and uh, excuse me for deviating, but I had an opportunity to watch a recent documentary uh about the film critic Roger Ebert uh, recently and um his struggles with um uh, a cancer that a vicious cancer that affected his his uh his jaw bones and his uh, throat and so forth and eventually took his life, and I watched that documentary, and the first thing that occurred to me when I saw that documentary was the inordinate, inordinate amount of energy, just the strength of will it takes for patients to fight against many of the illnesses they uh, have to endure and they do it for their families, they do it for themselves and and the the support that is required, but the just sheer amount of energy. And I, I think to myself, the reason why we have to be so vigilant in fighting for the protection of personal health information is, it is that type of invasion of privacy that may be the difference that breaks someone's will. That there, they are fighting with every you know ounce of their 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 being uh, against a a serious illness, and then to find out that um, in some way you know they've been truly violated personal information uh, just out in a maybe small community that may be enough to to break their will when they really have to rely upon that energy and that 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 strength. Uh, so. Um, I think these are profound issues, and I I, I truly think that that is um, how uh, these issues affect all of us.
2: Right. Now, I'm probing you a bit further on the potential implications for hospitals. You mentioned in particular that the class action suits could cause the hospitals to adopt higher standards. But then, on the other hand... Is that not the job also of the Information and Privacy Commissioner who you were mentioning? So what about that? Who, who, does, who should, in your view, set the standards to which hospitals uh, work when they're guarding patient privacy?
3: Michael? Um, that's a really good question. And what I would tell you is this. The, the Privacy Commissioner is involved in education. Uh, is involved in um, promotion. Um, there are policies that exist that all hospitals have to follow. These policies existed at the time of all these breaches. But in in the, the actual how-to, the technology that has to be present, the number of audits that have to be done, the vigilance, that is something the privacy commissioner is not involved in. And um, those are, uh, these cases, what these cases are doing is shining the light into the nooks and crannies of hospital conduct as it relates to the protection of personal health information. And it is one thing to have signage. It is one thing to have a computer system. It is another thing to maintain it. It is another thing to upgrade it. It is another thing to um, uh, really uh, follow uh, the uh, the programs uh, that you uh, set out for the hospital and uh, police them and uh, create consequences for even minor indiscretions. These cases seem to have a very, very similar narrative. What happens is there is some anecdotal um, outing or um, uh, leak, if you will, about conduct. The hospital goes in and conducts an audit with regards to that, the subject of that leak. And then they find out that this person has been inappropriately viewing files that they had no Relation to, no responsibility for. So you see, it isn't as if somebody looks at a a file and an alarm goes off. What happens is somebody's looking at files, maybe over the course of months, years, uh, files of a number of individuals, nothing happens. But somebody hears something about this individual snooping files, says something to the administration then conduct an inquiry. And that's when they're outed. Now that just is not good enough. And uh, and we expect a much higher standard.
2: This is, if I can just comment very briefly back to you, to say this is setting standards in a way that is profoundly important because it's standards not only for now but for the future. And I think I'm drawing from what you're saying, Michael, is that This is an ongoing thing. In other words, it's not just setting the standard for now. It's making sure that the standards adapt as the hospitals change their technology and things of that nature. Now, Um, It is time for the break, so we'll take it now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Michael Crystal. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition and careful planning needs to be a part of the process.
4: Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation, hosted by Elizabeth
3: Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen
4: live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat. Creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening
1: to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc G at org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners of Family Caregivers Unite and Michael Crystal. Our topic is Patients Sue Ontario Hospitals for Invasion of Privacy. Now, Michael, what more would you like to do to advance understanding on the part of healthcare professions, like I used to be, a professional, a doctor, of the importance of privacy for patients and their families? Michael?
3: Um, well, you know, I have, uh, uh, been very, um, open with my view, uh, of, uh, and dissatisfaction with the status quo. I have, um, there is a group called Patients Canada, which I have spent time with, uh, talking to about these issues. I have uh, been um, speaking to and have been offered uh, speaking engagements with the insurance industry on data breaches and um basically what I've done is I have um taken time from uh my humble <laughs> practice, my best practice, and uh, uh gone on a number of speaking tours. Um, uh, to doctors. Um, uh, I, have, uh, I have made myself available to, um, to medical schools. Um, now, I haven't gone and, and done speaking engagements to them, but I've offered my, my services. I've been quite busy, but uh, nursing the nursing profession, and I have said that I will certainly be more than happy uh, to uh, forego my partisanship and uh, engage in any type of discussion on this issue anywhere with uh, any of the uh, committed parties. And the reason I do that, Gordon, is simply this. We're all going to be a patient someday. We all seek to have our personal health information protected. This issue, uh, I believe, will be an issue... Uh, hopefully, a non-issue in the next five to ten years. I truly feel that uh, the the cases that we have right now um, are going to display a crack in the wall that can be plastered over and uh, smoothed over. And I'm truly, I truly believe. That these cases you know while they may be a clarion call to the courts to remedy the situation, I believe it can be remedied. i 'm hopeful that they can, because one of the things I 'm concerned about, Gordon, is that our, we have a very fragile we have a very good health system in Canada, but it 's a fragile health system, and the last thing I want to do is cripple our hospitals. I want our hospitals to flourish. I want our hospitals to continue taking care of us, looking after our health needs, but at the same time, I just want them to be more vigilant in the standards regarding personal health information. It is not my it's, it is in no one's interest to you know imperil hospitals. So I I I think, you know, for those reasons, I am more than willing to be part of the solution. And 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 as opposed to you know someone who is simply you know raging about the current problems,
2: and the solution is of benefit to patients um, and the system. Yes. And what you're wanting to achieve is a, a problem that gets solved and remains solved. Am I right in what I've yes. just said to you? Yes.
3: Okay. Absolutely, and uh, you know, you, you you yourself, a retired physician, know full well that um, our hospitals are um, uh, struggle at times uh, to keep up uh, with our our health care needs, right. and at times, um, you know, they they hit the mark. At other times, they don't. What is happening now, Gordon? Don't misunderstand a word I'm saying. is inexcusable. Yes, but I believe it can be remedied, and it will be remedied. And I feel that these cases are going to be um, at the forefront of, of, you know, pushing, pushing, uh, uh, you know, for reform. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I am cognizant that um, I do not want to do anything that in any way destabilizes the necessary health care that has to be there for you know everyone in Ontario right?
2: great great now very last question flows a little bit at least from what you've just been saying you just a different question you and I are now recording an episode in which you've discussed a topic that's important for patients and their families and for hospitals um, the episode this episode will be saved in an archive. Now, do you think that having more discussions like this one in the archive would be helpful, and if so, how would it be helpful in advancing understanding on the part of Canadians of the importance of privacy for patients michael sure uh, I think that 's a good point um, i th-
3: I think that it is uh, from from the point of People who are entering um, the either entering a a life now a new stage of life as a caregiver or or someone who is who has to spend more time in uh, in hospitals. I think it is important to uh, have uh, programs such as this to recognize that. You know, there are issues with personal health yeah, information yeah. that one has to be vigilant, but also to, uh, in another way, in a broader sense, to, to promote a dialogue which, you know, generates uh, a sensitivity to this issue. Right, and right, right. I have no doubt that these type of conversations will um, create, uh, you know, further awareness and interest. In, um, in this issue, which is very important.
2: Great. Thank you very much. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this wonderful episode. I want to say thank you to Michael for sharing w- with us your own motivations, your own insights, your own opinions, and the work that you're doing to promote privacy without undermining the work of hospitals or healthcare generally and that's fabulous. I want to say thank you to our listeners and just to mention that with Family Caregivers Unite we're starting a new research project called eQualitative Research which this episode is part of. The idea is to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics such as the one we've just been listening to and for you to share with us your experiences of healthcare. So please email me to hear more or get involved and also if you'd like to be a guest on my show here's how to connect with me please email me at doc g at now our next episode will be what family caregivers should know about pharmacies and pharmacists so please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then